all the years that uh, Brother David was the uh, senior pastor here at Edgewood, and I was uh, an associate under uh, Brother David, he would ask me uh, at least once a year uh, to teach on the filling of the Holy Spirit uh, because he knew how important this truth was in the life of a believer. Well, I checked my records the other day, and I uh, noticed that it's probably been four or five years uh, before I last uh, taught specifically on the filling of the Holy Spirit. So I thought it would be good uh, the next two weeks uh, to focus on this truth. And then the last Sunday in January, as I've already mentioned, will be Sanctity of Human Life Sunday here at Edgewood when we'll have the uh, staff of our Sound Choices Pregnancy Clinic with us to give a report. And then next month, I'll begin a verse-by-verse study through the book of Philippians. So I would encourage you to begin reading now uh, that wonderful little book of only four chapters, and I trust it will be a great blessing to us. I believe we would all agree that the epitome of frustration for a believer is to know God's plan, uh, to know what God's Word says you ought to be, what you ought to do as a believer, yet lack the power to get it done. Uh, Yet, this is where many Christians live. And what could be more discouraging than to keep trying to live the Christian life only to be met with failure after failure after failure? So the question rises, where do we find the power to execute God's plan, to obey God's Word? Where do we find the power to move from defeat to victory, to overcome temptation, to be a courageous and faithful witness for Christ? And the answer is the filling of the Holy Spirit. So please follow along in your sermon notes as today... We will simply try to answer the question, what is the filling of the Holy Spirit? And then next Sunday, we will look at how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I definitely need you back next Sunday as well. So look at our first of five truths as we answer this question, what is the filling of the Holy Spirit? First, the filling of the Holy Spirit is not an option to consider but a command to obey. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not an option for the believer to consider, but a command to be obeyed. Uh, Notice Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. As you know, the New Testament was written in Greek, and when we look at the Greek grammar, we discover several important truths about the filling of the Holy Spirit. First, this verse is in the imperative mood in the Greek text, which means it is a command, and it is also plural. So it applies to all Christians, not just a select few. The verb, be filled, is in the present tense, which means keep on being filled with the Spirit. Therefore, the filling of the Spirit is to be enjoyed 
constantly, not just on special occasions. The verb is also in the passive voice, which means you don't fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. It's God who fills you with the Holy Spirit as you meet certain conditions. Next Sunday, we will look at those conditions that we have to meet to experience the filling of the Holy Spirit. But since there are conditions to be met, you can come in and out of the filling of the Holy Spirit. So Ephesians 5.18 is not an option to consider, but it is a command that God expects every believer to give his attention to and to obey. Now look at the second truth about the filling of the Holy Spirit that is extremely important. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not the coming of the Spirit into my life, but the controlling of the Spirit within my life. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not the coming of the Spirit into my life, but the controlling of the Spirit within my life. You know, I remember shortly after being converted to Christ, a person asked me, have you received the Holy Spirit? Uh, I asked, what do you mean? Uh, They said, well, after receiving the blessing of salvation, there is a second blessing a Christian needs to uh, seek and receive, which is the coming of the Holy Spirit into your life. They further told me I would know when the Holy Spirit had come because it would be accompanied with me speaking in tongues. Now, there are many people who believe this. Most are very sincere and well-meaning, but they are wrong. Look at Romans 8, verse 9. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Can't get much clearer than that. There is no such thing as a Christian without the Holy Spirit. And the next verse is very clear when we receive the Holy Spirit, which is simultaneous with conversion. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. So when does a person receive the Holy Spirit? The moment he believes in Christ. The moment an individual is converted, the Holy Spirit comes to take uh, occupancy in the life of a believer. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? There is no need for a believer to seek what he already possesses. Now listen very carefully. The issue is not you getting more of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit getting more of you under His control. That's the issue right there. Ephesians 5.18 reads, as we've seen, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The word filled is pleruo in the Greek, And it's it's very important to see how this word is used in the New Testament. And it's used fundamentally in three different ways, all relating uh, to the filling of the Holy Spirit. The first, and get this down in your notes, is empowerment. Empowerment. The word filled was used of winds. 
filling the sails of a ship to move it along. In the same way, the Holy Spirit fills the sails of our lives to keep us moving along the course that God has laid out for us. Second, the word filled was used to speak of permeation. Permeation. A great biblical example of this is when Mary of Bethany broke the alabaster vial of perfume and poured it on Christ. We're told in John chapter 12, verse 3, the house was filled, there's the word, was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. What's it saying? The fragrance of the perfume so permeated the house, its aroma was inescapable. You could not get away from it. In the same way, the filling of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit so permeating a Christian's life that the reality of Jesus is obvious for all to see. But the most dominant use of the word filled in the New Testament speaks of control. The most dominant use of the word filled in the New Testament speaks of control. For example, these verses are not in your notes, but in John 16, verse 6, we read, Sorrow has filled your heart. Luke 5, 26, they were filled with fear. Luke 6, 11, they were filled with rage. What's being said in those verses? We're saying on those occasions, those individuals were what? They were being controlled by sorrow, or they were being controlled by fear, or they were being controlled by rage. That emotion at that particular time was the dominant factor, the controlling, influencing factor in their lives. So to be filled with the Holy Spirit simply means, you do not need to make this complicated, it simply means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And this is why the Apostle Paul contrasted the filling of the Holy Spirit with getting drunk. He says, don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. When someone gets drunk, they come under the control or influence of alcohol. And under the influence of alcohol, a person does things he would never do when sober, right? So what is Paul saying? He's saying don't come under the influence of alcohol or any other substance, but stay under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And under the influence, under the control of the Holy Spirit, a believer will do things for God he otherwise would not do. Read the book of Acts. And you will discover without one single exception, without a single exception, the filling of the Holy Spirit always resulted in courage to live and witness for Jesus Christ. Without exception. So the filling of the Holy Spirit is not the coming of the Spirit into my life, but the controlling of the Spirit within my life. Control, the Spirit controlling me who lives within me. Look at the third truth, very important one. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not getting charismatic gifts, but growing in Christ-like character. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not getting charismatic gifts, but growing in Christ-like character. As I mentioned earlier, there are those who teach speaking in tongues is the evidence of the filling of the Spirit. Therefore, if you have not spoken in tongues, you have not been filled with the Spirit. 
This teaching is wrong. Now, many of my folks that I really love that I've worked hand-in-hand with, they, they believe this, but it is wrong biblically, and this has brought great confusion to the body of Christ. Now, think with me a moment about the church at Corinth. We know from 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 that the gift of tongues was regularly practiced in this church. So if speaking in tongues is the evidence of being filled with the Spirit, you would think the most Spirit-filled church in the New Testament would have been the church at Corinth. But when you study 1 Corinthians, what do you discover? You do not discover a church filled with the Spirit, but a church filled with sin, selfishness, and division. The filling of the Spirit has nothing to do with receiving spiritual gifts. Now, it's going to impact, of course, how you employ those gifts with God's power, but it has nothing to do with getting or receiving any spiritual gifts. These verses are not in your notes, but listen to John 16, verses 13 and 14. This is what Jesus said about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He says, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all the truth. He shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. Great Bible teacher Joseph Parker said, What light is to the earth, the Holy Spirit is to Christ. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to put the spotlight on Christ. Simply put, The goal of the Holy Spirit is to make me, to make you like Jesus. So the real test of the filling of the Holy Spirit is not, do I speak in tongues, but am I becoming more like Jesus? That's the real test of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And by the way, just to remind you, uh, I challenged you several weeks ago that you would make this prayer... Uh, your daily prayer uh, through this new year of 2016. But Paul prayed, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his what? Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust him. Your roots will grow, grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Notice, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to bring integrity to your inner man. And why integrity to your inner man? So that Christ can settle down in your heart and live comfortably to have His way in His will. See, the truth for every believer, God is in you. The real issue is, is He comfortable living in you? And that is the role, the purpose of the Holy Spirit. To so move in a believer's life and bringing conviction and cleansing and refining and purifying that a heart is provided for Christ where he can settle down and be comfortable in that believer's life, comfortable in a particular church, to have his way and to have his will. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, referring to the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, makes us more and more like him, like Jesus, as we are changed into his glorious image. Again, the goal of the Holy Spirit is not to put the spotlight on himself, but to put the spotlight on Jesus 
and to transform us into Christ's likeness. Look at John 15, verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them will produce fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Why did God graft us as branches into the vine of Christ? Well, this verse tells us, to enable us to produce fruit. Well, what is the fruit that a believer is to produce? It is the reproduction of Christ's life in us and through us. God grafted us into the vine of Jesus so that we would know the constant flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives in order for Christ's life to be reproduced in us. In other words, if you take the analogy, Jesus is the vine, we're the branch, and in the analogy, the Holy Spirit would be what? The sap, the life-giving sap that flows from the vine into the branch, enabling that branch to produce fruit. And let me add, you've never seen a branch eat its own fruit. Fruit is produced for others to eat. So again, the real test for the filling of the Holy Spirit is not do I speak in tongues, but is Christ's life being reproduced in me for the benefit of others, that others might find nourishment. Look at the fourth truth that helps us understand what is the filling of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not an experience to be sought but a relationship to be maintained. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not an experience to be sought, but a relationship to be maintained. Many Christians make the mistake of seeking some dramatic spiritual experience that will just then usher them into some super state of spirituality. Folks, it just doesn't work that way. Now, now don't, don't misunderstand me. I am not saying that the Christian life is void of dramatic spiritual experiences. No, I'm not saying that at all. But just like romance in marriage is the byproduct of a healthy marriage relationship, spiritual experience is the byproduct of a healthy relationship with God. You don't seek the experience you put the focus on relationship, and as you put the focus on relationship, that leads, of course, to wonderful experiences. See, the Holy Spirit, now listen, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it. He's not just some force or power. He is a person, and we are to relate to Him like a person. Look at the three basic commands. In the New Testament concerning the Holy Spirit, I have them down for you in your notes. Here are the three basic commands that you find in the New Testament in terms of a believer relating to the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30, we read, Do not bring sorrow or do not grieve the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Do not bring sorrow, do not bring grief to the Holy Spirit by the way you live. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? By choosing to sin, whether it's in actions or attitudes. Sin always damages a healthy relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Simply put, when sin is in control, it's obvious the Holy Spirit is not in control. Look at 1 
Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Do not stifle, or the King James says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. How do you quench? How do you stifle the Holy Spirit? By choosing not to do the things that he asks. When you refuse to obey God's word, or you refuse to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit that he places on your life, you quench the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like pouring water on a fire. And that is how you end up lukewarm with absolutely no passion for God in your life. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. We read, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. How do you follow the Spirit's leading? One step at a time. We'll look at this more next week. Trust and what? Obey. Trust and obey. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not an experience to be sought, but a relationship to be maintained. Look at the next statement in your notes. Just an illustration, an example. The filling of the Holy Spirit is living moment by moment in Jesus' presence, just as if I'm walking hand in hand with Jesus. That's really the filling of the Holy Spirit. And when I mention Peter's example, just a great example. If, if you look at Peter in the Gospels, any time that Peter is near Jesus, he's in the immediate presence of Jesus, where do you find, you find Peter uh, doing the miraculous, walking on water, saying the miraculous, this is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and you find him with this miraculous courage, you know, to, to, with this boldness to follow Christ. But then he gets in the garden separated from Christ, which, what, led to his, what, denial of Jesus. But then when you fast forward to the book of Acts, after Pentecost and the filling of the Holy Spirit, suddenly you see Peter again, doing the miraculous, speaking the miraculous with this miraculous courage. What happened? The filling of the Holy Spirit brought that awareness, that consciousness of God's presence upon his life. As the Holy Spirit took control and energized him in the power of God. Look at the fifth, the final truth as we answer the question, what is the filling of the Holy Spirit? The filling of the Holy Spirit, and this is very important to see, is not an emotion to thrill the saved, but an empowerment to reach the lost. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not an emotion to thrill the saved, but an empowerment to reach the lost. Look at Acts 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. The purpose of the filling of the Holy Spirit is not to slay you, it's not to shake you, it's not to thrill you, but it is to empower you to reach the lost. Look at that final quote by Andrew Murray. If you're not familiar with Andrew Murray, he was a uh, missionary back in the 1800s in, uh, in Africa, uh, a, a Dutch uh, reform uh, minister. Uh, he is my favorite devotional writer. I have literally read everything this man ever penned, well over uh, 30, 30 books, and I would encourage you, you can still go to any Christian bookstore, and uh, many of his writings are classics, and you'll still find them on the shelf. But notice how he put this so clearly, this very point. He says, and so the promise of the Holy Spirit 
in his Pentecostal fullness of power, comes for one purpose. That purpose is to bring the life of the church as a whole and each believer into harmony with the will of the Father and the work of the Son so that they live only for what God and Christ lived for, the glory of God in the salvation of men and women. The Spirit is come to fill us with the love and zeal and strength that will make us live and die that every creature may know the love of God. As we give ourselves to this and wait at God's feet for His orders, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon us. Amen? And to be truthful with you, I believe that is one of the greatest truths that's neglected concerning the teaching on filling of the Holy Spirit. We so often make it about us and what we need from God. And yes, there are wonderful personal benefits, but it's so important. He wants to lead us into Christ's life. And Christ's life, focus was not on himself, it was what? On lost mankind. Christ lived a life where he did nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility mind. What he always regarded others more important than himself, not looking to his interests, but the interests of others. He came to die for a lost humanity, and the filling of the Holy Spirit will lead us. That's the purpose of it, to lead us in that same life where the focus is off of us, and we place it on others in order to reach a lost world for Christ and to build up and edify the body of Christ. So, let's review. What is the filling of the Holy Spirit? What is the filling of the Holy Spirit? First, it's not an option to be considered, but a command to be obeyed by every single believer. Number two, it's not the coming of the Holy Spirit into my life. That happens at conversion. But it is the controlling of the Holy Spirit within my life. It's not about me getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit getting more of me under His control. Third, it's not the getting of charismatic gifts, but the growing in Christ-like character. The Holy Spirit fills me in order to reproduce Christ's life in me that others would benefit. And then four, it's not an experience to be sought, but a relationship to be maintained. And as I focus on the relationship, not grieving the Holy Spirit, not quenching the Holy Spirit, but following His leadership, trust and obey, trust and obey, that will lead to wonderful spiritual experiences. But you don't focus on the experience, you focus on the relationship, because that's the key. And then five, it's not an emotion to thrill the saved, but an empowerment to reach the lost. Now again, I have to urge you, please be back next Sunday, uh, because next Sunday we will look at, okay, how is a believer filled with the Holy Spirit? How can I walk in this truth, knowing the, the Holy Spirit controlling me, coming under the, the Spirit's influence, so Christ is being formed in me, displayed through me, as I courageously uh, become a witness uh, for Jesus Christ. And I think it would be a, uh, another wonderful time of uh, teaching and uh, as we see truth from God's Word and as, as it impacts uh, our lives. Now, as we go into the invitation uh, this morning, uh, what I would recommend uh, for every one of you that's a believer, uh, would you ask God to bring you into the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Uh, 
one of the things we have seen this morning that's very simple but very powerful is it's not about seeking an experience but maintaining a relationship. So go ahead and start asking yourself, is there anything in your life right now that would be grieving God? Is there any area in your life where you've quenched the Holy Spirit? Where God, maybe God was prompting you to get involved in an area of ministry. Maybe God was prompting you to reach out to an individual and to share the love of Jesus. It could be a number of different things. Yet instead of stepping out, trusting God, obeying God, you went back. And again, like we shared, that's like pouring water on a fire. And that's how a person becomes lukewarm without any passion. Are you following the leadership of the Holy Spirit? And it's not some mystical thing as we're going to see next week. The Holy Spirit's ministry is always consistent in harmony with what? God's Word. Jesus even said the Holy Spirit will take my Word and He'll bring it to your remembrance. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You're walking along in life, whether you're relating to your wife or your children or your co-workers, whatever the situation might be, what the Holy Spirit will do, He will recall, bring into your mind, your thoughts, Christ's Word, how it relates to this particular situation. And that, at that point, that's where you have to trust, you have to obey and follow God in that task. So ask God to begin searching your heart now. So as we come together next Sunday, that we'll be eager uh, to learn what those conditions are that we must meet in cooperation with God through His grace uh, to know the filling of the Holy Spirit. As the invitation is extended, uh, I'll be standing at the front to uh, welcome anyone that has a decision of any nature. Uh, possibly you've been visiting the church and uh, you since God's prompting His leadership to become a part of this church family and to uh, come forward to unite in membership, uh, possibly you're here and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And uh, this message, of course, has been a, a unique message to believers on a very specific topic. Uh, but I think you've heard enough to realize that God desires to invade your life. He desires to take up residence in your life. And the way that can happen is because Jesus died for the penalty of your sin. He took the punishment you deserved. When he died on that cross, he canceled out your sin debt. And he not only canceled out your sin debt, he dumped into your account all Christ's righteousness to give you a right standing before God the Father. That has nothing to do with your merits or your efforts or your works, but everything that has to do with Christ's merits, His work, and what He accomplished for you. And a person is converted when he takes that step of faith saying, yes, I believe Jesus died for my sin. Yes, I believe Jesus rose again as Savior and Lord over all. And I'm going to receive now Christ into my life as my Savior, as my Lord, to forgive me of my sin, to take control of my life. And I would encourage you to do exactly that uh, this morning. So please stand as the invitation is extended. And let's all be responding in our hearts to the truth we've heard.